Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Egnall, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. Hi, before we start the pod, a quick announcement. I'm really excited that on November the 3rd, I'll be hosting a live Inspire podcast with Dane Jensen. Dane, you may recall if you've been listening, uh, who's been on the podcast before, is the CEO at Third Factor. And he's just written a new book called The Power of Pressure, uh, which goes into why pressure is not the problem, but rather the solution. So we're going to go live. You can join in here our usual pod, but the difference now is you'll get to ask Dane questions about how to understand coping and thriving through pressure. So check out the link in the pod to sign up, go to the Humphrey Group's website, go to our LinkedIn, and look forward to having you for a live podcast on November the 3rd. So my guest on today's episode of the Inspire podcast is John Vong, and John's the founder of Local SEO, uh, which is a digital marketing agency specializing in, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, uh, SEO search. Uh, and John joins me uh, from just north, for those of you who don't know Ontario, just joins me north of Toronto. John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot, Bart. Uh, excited to join you today and hopefully share some insights about my story, journey, and hopefully inspire some of the audience members today. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, your story and your journey and what you're building uh, is, you know, really what what fascinated me when we when we spoke about the pod. You know, because you know you've got this great business, you're growing uh, rapidly, you're moving into the states. But I think what was really fascinating when we talked is kind of the culture your story and how that shaped the culture and philosophy with which you're building the business. So summing it up, what I took away from our conversation is that you're, you're committed to creating better humans. Is that, is that a fair way to put it? Yeah. I I think that's what we all transpired to be, right? Like just being better, uh, giving more, um, making sure everyone's uplifted in terms of spirits and uh, trying to, aim for more right in life mm-hmm. so that's why i'm trying to give in terms of aspirations to my team but also mm-hmm. all my clients and everyone that i touch well i think i think you should give yourself some credit because i don't think it's the default you know i think we're you know particularly maybe it's becoming a bit more uh the norm that companies are choosing and leaders are choosing to do more than just operate a for-profit mindset or sh- focus on shareholder return but i, I think it's um it's not the norm. And, and so maybe, you know, I know for you, it started, you know, your philosophy began with your story. So maybe just kind of take me back, like before you were in this business, how did, how did life begin? How did you find your way to local SEO? Yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll start all the way back because my parents came from Vietnam. They left mm-hmm. the war. Um, I'm the fourth child of um, them leaving the war to come here for a better future for mm-hmm. next generation. Um, they didn't know the language, didn't know anyone, and we pretty much survived. And we lived outside of Toronto. Like, we grew up in Hamilton, Ontario, mm-hmm. in a rougher part of town, but it was more government housing. 
And for me, growing up was more about just sustainability, survival, and all about just shelter and food. Uh, but mm. we had each other, which was family. And so my upbringing and was really the foundation with my mom put, guided us. They, she was our rock in terms of making sure that we did chores. We had strong values. We had good work ethics mm-hmm. and just wanted to do more in life, like get a good, strong education, fit in, but be ultra curious, try to do more, give more. And she was always volunteering as well. Even though she didn't have much, she was always trying to help the new immigrants coming to Canada. So growing up, we had the, the siblings, but even then I had a lot of jobs because I, I was always trying to um, uncover what it was like for the average you know, Canadian to mm-hmm. be up, brought up. Um, and then when I first got my first job, I, I worked in advertising sales for 10 years and my mm-hmm. longest stint was at Yellow Pages. And I was there for five years and I learned a lot about sales, but really the, the business end of it, how, why small, medium-sized businesses resonated with me and what I ultimately want to do with my, my company. Right? Mm-hmm. And let me, let me ask you when, you know, so we can talk about Yellow Pages and your experience there in a moment, but what was your first, you know, I, I was somebody who worked, you know, I had a lot of jobs as a kid. What was your first job as a while you were still at home. Do you remember it? And, and what yeah. were you doing? Yeah, definitely. Nine or 10 years old, I was a newspaper boy. Uh, me Hamilton too. Spectator. Me too. Really? Which one? Hamilton Spectator. Yeah. Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I was waking up early. Like people would say, you know, I was the first one in the track and field, you know, going mm-hmm. to track and field for seven o'clock. But I was getting up at four o'clock to do my newspaper. Wow. Run. And not a lot of people understood that, right? And so mm-hmm. when I got home after working and going to school, I was always sleeping early because I knew I had a commitment. I had obligations I needed to do mm-hmm. because I was working to help out with the family for milk and bread and all the expenses, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. really for me and play money. It was right. just as a, as a family, a core mm-hmm. unit, we had to support one another. And did you work all the way until you left home? Yeah, I had about 20 jobs. <laughs> so wow. right before I got my free, real job, like outside yeah. of university, um, I, I did everything, factory, landscaping, <laughs> uh, library, accounting, bookkeeping, you name it, everything uh, from uh, restaurants, uh, waiters, wow. um, just learning about yeah. how other people were living and surviving. And I was meeting so many interesting people in different aspects in multiculturalism to um, with community to different regions. It was interesting because I was always trying to uncover how they were living. And I'm, and I'm hearing, I mean, a couple of you, what is all of that kind of small business or I guess entrepreneurial work probably set you up for for that career in the Yellow Pages, sounds like you know half the companies you worked for probably advertised in Yellow Pages. But I'm also, I'm also just hearing like a curiosity around learning and understanding, you know, whether it was the you know growing up in Canada experience or how businesses work. Did you feel that curiosity from a young age? I I think so because I felt like we were not what the Canadians who were living here for multi-generations mm-hmm. were living like, because again, government housing, we didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of like birthday events. We, right. we never had a sleepover before. No one came to my house. Um, mm. 
we didn't even travel. Like our extent of travel was going to CNE once a year because my parents right. got free tickets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the extent of travel. So right. for me, I just felt like there was more than what we just had. Right. And right. so I was curious to see how other people were living because, again, everyone had vehicles. I took the bus as a transit transportation. We didn't travel. We didn't have outings with a lot of groups of community and friends and family and all that stuff because we only had each other, right? So mm-hmm. just growing up was different, I would say. So what was it like when you went to work for Yellow Pages? And, and, and I'm, I guess I'm dating myself, I have to say, age-wise, because I remember that every year, you know, the Yellow Pages book, that like giant book would be dropped on our porch. And I remember my dad, you know, when we needed to hire someone, that's where we went. Like, it just seems like such a bygone era. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I was in my, I, I think back in 2017 or 18, that's when I first started my career in the Yellow Pages. So I was there for five years mm-hmm. and um, it had the best sales training hmm. I've ever had to endure. It was a seven week. It was hard. Yeah, because there was, you know, a group of us, a dozen of us, and only one of them would pass the probation, which was one wow. year at Yellow Pages. So. I was out of, you know, and they, they probably took the best of the best. And I was a part of that. And then I had to move up to the ranks to become one of the top sales reps, right? So mm-hmm. they put you through the ropes and we were the only unionized sales team across Canada. Mm-hmm. So out of the 2000 reps unionized, there was a huge training, seven weeks, and they vetted you, right? Like they right. were getting top talent because we are one of the biggest media uh, companies mm-hmm. across Canada and kind of monopoly, I would say. Um, so it was interesting to see some of the top salespeople and mimicking them, following them. I was already trying to aspire to do more, right? Than what mm-hmm. I had. And it was fun, right? Like I was always learning, but it was a battle every time I had a conversation with business owners. Hmm. And why was it a battle? Just uh, the mindset, right? Changing of times. Digital landscape mm. was transitioning to from away from traditional uh, print media, and mm-hmm. I I knew that writing was on the war, wall. Where Yellow Pages did a really good job for over a hundred years, right. uh, retaining customers, getting ready to buy customers, seeking out the products and services, understanding community, understanding how what the value was, the ROI. Um, it was diminishing. Every I was frontline, so I spoke to a lot of these business owners, and they advised me just changes were happening. They were not mm-hmm. comfortable with spending more, and they were not getting good ROI. And I knew that myself, my behaviors were shifting and cha- transitioning to digital. And so I either had to pivot and move or try something different. Is that what led you to found your own company? Your yes, own agency? Exactly. exactly. That's a big move. Tell me, um, I mean, now it's, it's well established, but tell me how you got into creating a local SEO. Yeah, local SEO search was really just created because I knew that it was a diff- transitional period of my life at that time where I just recently got married. I moved back to the city um, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I wanted to try something new. I either wanted to stay at Yellow Pages, I was doing well, but I knew I was frustrated, right? I could go hop to some of my other friends were going, working at Google or Facebook or some of the larger Amazon site companies, and I could join them as well or try something. You've transitioned from 
YPG, you've built your own, you've started your own company. I imagine like it just started as just you. Is that right? Or did you start hiring people? Uh, definitely just me. <laughs> How long was it before you hired someone? Um, so it took me, uh, I would say a couple months because I wanted to just get sales in the door. I wanted to establish myself as a business owner, which right. meant revenue. And right. so my skill set 10 years was sales. So right. I went out there sold without anything. Like I had my cell phone, no laptop. Right. You're selling yourself. An idea, right? And people bought right. my story and relationship, yeah. right? So I got revenue and people were paying me thousands of dollars at the beginning. But mm-hmm. now I had to figure out how to deliver on what I sold. And that mm-hmm. was the challenging part because I had no SEO skill set. I was not a developer. Mm-hmm. I have no technical background. And I didn't even know how to do SEO properly. So did um, you have this moment where you're like, oh my God, I've sold you these services and I don't even know how to deliver them? Yes. Yeah, so I had to figure it out. So now classic I'm a entrepreneur. Classic entrepreneur. Yes, I can do that. Now I got to go figure out how to do that. So then I go back in the drawing board and I'm reading, ingesting as much content, going on blogs, go out conferences, doing a lot of, you know, buying all the software, trying all these people, doing it myself. And I had no idea if it's going to work or not. No track record, nothing. But I was committed to get better. And I was honest with people as well. So throughout Mm -hmm. that whole transition, I told people I'm new. My price point's low now, but in a couple of years, I'm going to be one of the top ones in Canada. Mm-hmm. So lock in now because I my goal is to do things the right way, learn, and yes, I'm going to fail or make mistakes. But if you endure these challenges during these early stages, you're going to reap the benefits and rewards. So let's let's just shift to this now. Okay, so you you made these commitments, you realized you started winning work, you got the clients, then you had to go hire the team. Tell me about that. How did you hire the team? And that was a challenge because again, I didn't know how to hire. I didn't know Mm -hmm. what to look for. Um, So I made a lot of mistakes. Early days, I was hiring just on skill set based on performance, portfolio Mm -hmm. references. Sure. But they weren't my value props. Like they did not have a good core foundation and core value set. Mm -hmm. And I made tons of mistakes that sense because it didn't align to my ultimate vision my goals, right? Um, So I I fired, hired, fired, hired, and it got better over the years. Um, And then now I have a very strong core of leaders that know me, know what we're all Mm -hmm. about. And therefore, they only want to connect with people that resonate with what we are aspiring to be as an agency, a digital marketing company. And tell me the work you do for helping, and you've described as, you know, uplifting people, creating better humans in your company, like just paint a picture now, what it's like to be in your company. Some of the things that you do on a weekly, monthly basis. Right now we do weekly meetings, like the, the leadership team on Mondays. And then every a couple of weeks, we would do monthly uh, workshops with everyone on the team and this is more about learning about skill sets right like work ethics or how to you know mindset and challenging people Mm -hmm. with different things um and then we also do monthly meetings on each uh segment of the the company as well so we have like content team development team Mm -hmm. uh strategy sessions we're always trying to get better so we try to communicate collaborate more 
Um, so that's more about the training and then the social gatherings, like, yes, quarterly, we try to get together. We try to do something outside of, uh, the office environment mm-hmm. and work, uh, so that we build a, a good solid foundation in terms of getting to know people outside of the business. Mm-hmm. So now there's actually social, um, relationships appearing within the organization. So I love seeing that as well, you know, seeing how it's been developed. Right. Um, and then it's more about internal referrals now. A lot of people like and feel like they're a part of this family and they want to refer others that they know would be a good fit. Mm-hmm. So we get a lot of internal referrals on the jobs as well um, because it, they know what our philosophy is and how mm-hmm. we embrace uh, humans. And one of the things that you mentioned when we last spoke that was so fascinating to me was that you do workshops for people on things like personal finance, yes. um, health. Talk to me a bit about that because I think that's quite rare to go beyond. I mean, everyone does the content, right? Learning about the content of our company. But talk to me a bit about those. What are com- some that you've done and what do people say about these? Yeah, like because I'm a, I'm a person that is always grasping as much knowledge, insight as possible. And I have a lot of interest from travel, health, to relationships, to business, work, real estate, you name it. I I love Mm -hmm. a lot of different passion projects, right? So I want to embrace them if they have interest. So I always do a QA. and a I ask brainstorming sessions. Next three months, what kind of content do you want? And maybe I can help you support it with a workshop I can put together or bring someone in. Mm -hmm. Because I'm just trying to add value in their lives. Let it be family relationship problems or how to position yourself to um, save enough to buy a home, right? Or Mm -hmm. save enough to get a nice trip. There's all these things that, because you're in different stages in your life, right? Versus some of your employees, which are maybe early 20s. They're millennials. They don't, they're trying to uncover and be curious, right? They, They don't know what you know. So you're just trying to add value in their lives. So for me, that's what I do. I, I, I talk about a lot of different situations and give them my perspective. And they quite quickly, they, it's always engaging, right? There's a lot of Q&A. There's a lot of communication. There's a lot of pre-questions before the, the session, the workshop, mm-hmm. and then post uh, questionnaire as well, as well as what more can we add value to? Mm-hmm. And every month, it's all about engaging. And I found like the last six months mm-hmm. or a year, you know, yes, the, the problem with pandemic how home life balance is, um, you know, impacting their lives, how COVID has really affected all these things that real life situations. Mm-hmm. And I want to help them better themselves by doing things that I've either done, either done, or I mm-hmm. read, or I, I watch on podcasts or videos, because a lot of people just don't know what, how you absorb content and what you do differently. Right. Mm-hmm. And they look up to you as a leader. So I want to, equip them with what I do differently so that they can see how I operate. So, so that's a, a good sense of, you know, you really are approaching running your team differently, you know, with this commitment to making, as you say, bring the resources and, and advice. And I like that you also kind of give them the option. So, of you know, what topics and content they want. Um, so I know when we spoke last time, you kind of distilled your, your philosophy into a, a few points and, and what would the first one be, you know, for someone listening who says, you know, maybe I could apply this to my work, whether I'm managing a team or running a company, what would be 
step one in your mindset to creating better humans? I think clarity, right? Understanding what ultimately you want to get out of it. Like if you want to build and extract the most out of the humans that you're interacting with, Mm -hmm. be mindful of what they want. So this is where sales comes in, right? Like probing people, discovering what, why they're here, what purpose mm-hmm. is it that they're working for you or not? And what do they want to get out of it? So every mm-hmm. semi-annual, every year, we do these goal sessions, right? And I sit down with each uh, staff. I used to anyways. Um, now the team is pretty large, but I, I used to spend 30 minutes to an hour to write down clear goals, write down what is your vision? What is your three, five, 10 year plan? How do I equip you so that you are better prepared to hit those milestones? Um, what can we do as a company or, you know, how can I help you get you closer to it? Can you give me a story? I mean, you don't have to name the person's name, but give me a story of one of the most impactful goal setting sessions that you've done and how it's changed the person's life. One of the members I started early uh, in mm-hmm. this company, um, her goal was investing and first off buying a family home Mm -hmm. um, using that money to then invest into other properties right Mm -hmm. so i understand how to do it because i've worked on it myself personally and And so that's something that you worked with her on over the course of like six months or was it like tell me about the process following her articulating that goal Yeah. So after the goal session, um, it was more about here's the tools. Give me updates. I'm only going to help you if you ask me. Hmm. But I would also chime in on maybe once a month. So how is the process going? Right. So Mm -hmm. I don't it's a different relationship as opposed to a mentorship. Right. Where Mm. you want to go in deep to see what did you do? How did you do it? It's more equipping them and letting them discover and uncover and do it themselves. Um, so that's why I found to be, you know, if they're very hungry and they, they yeah. aspire to do more, they will take action. But right. if they aren't, then I, I don't, this is something they want to do. I'm not pushing right. them to do it, right? They're not hiring me as a mentor. For me, I, I just want to equip them and let them figure it out. And that's a really good way of articulating because you're, you know, you could, the risk I could see is that you're pushing too hard for them to improve their lives in ways that are not work-related. And that could create pressure from their boss <laughs> and the owner of the company. So what I'm hearing you say is it's important to be there as a resource, but not to apply any pressure. Exactly. And there's a fine line, right? I want them mm-hmm. to focus on the company because we have our own company goals, but this is more her passion project. So letting her do it on the side. So another thing you've said, I want to delve into your, how you think about this. You, you mentioned when we were preparing for this that you said you have to commit to building a team as though they're a family. And on the day that we're recording this, which is May 26, there's an article in the, in the Financial Post that the CEO of, of Shopify, Tobias Lutke, he's come out and said, Shopify, and I'll just quote it, Shopify, like other for-profit companies, is not a family. The very idea is preposterous. And the dangers of family thinking are that it becomes incredibly hard to let poor performers go. Shopify is a team, not a family. How does that, how would you comment on that and agree or disagree with that thinking? 
Yeah, I mean, Shopify is a very large organization, right? Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. They're, they're looking at scaling across multiple countries, different platforms, and they ha- they employ hundreds of thousands of employees. So it's a different level of business mm. ownership and entrepreneurship. For me, I feel as a small, medium-sized business, which is focused on a local level or helping smaller businesses transpire and become um, uplifting in their own community, Mm -hmm. I think family resonates with a lot of people. Mm. Um, When you're a bigger multinational corporation that you rely on shareholders or you you go to a certain level of employees, you can't be a family-oriented business. Because you can't. Like Amazon is never going to be a a family-oriented business. Apple, Microsoft, they're so large, right? That Mm -hmm. they're just a number. Majority of the employees, just like at any of the five large banks in Canada, they're just a number. So you cannot get to know people on a vested interest level, right? Right. Therefore, there's a big difference. Um, SMBs, SMBs under 100 employees, you get to know them. You get to know what's going on in their life and you either want to play a part of it or not. But that's what I mean by community and family. Hmm. So that's, that's a good distinction that you're at a size where you can still have that. Do you still then aspire to run a, a global multinational? I mean, if, w- or would that run counter to your philosophy? So right now, like I'm in a really good space. I enjoy not just my my clients, my, my mm-hmm. team and what we're doing. It's fun. I wake up passionate, motivated mm. in doing more and I'm, I'm trying to get better, right? So at this time, no, and maybe never because I'm content, I'm satisfied. And I'm fulfilled, right? It's right. when you're you're not content and you're miserable, right? And you want mm-hmm. to have all these huge goals and aspirations. But for me, I, I feel like Canada has allowed me and you know my my family, my my parents who sacrificed everything to for us, we've now been able, like all my siblings are engineers and we <laughs> got good education. We're now you know, contributing to the the economy and the workforce, and now we're employing mm-hmm. others, right? So I th- I feel just contributing to to what they allowed us here in Canada and embracing the multiculturalism here and the community aspect. It, it's a part of me now. Family means everything. Community mm-hmm. means everything. And now running a business, it's all about being a better human. And and there's one thing I want to ask you a bit more about. We've talked mostly about creating better humans by committing to investing in your team. But you've you've interspliced mentions of community and giving back. You mentioned your mom volunteering. Talk to me about how creating better humans and your philosophy extends to the work that you and your your team do in the community. Yeah, like every year we try to pay it forward, right? And the, the big thing about our industry is it's hyper competitive. There's a lot of, com, you know, freelancers, mm-hmm. consultants, everyone claiming to be the best. Right. And we have to set ourselves apart, right? And right. therefore we bring in clients that are, we're an extension through their business. And most of the businesses that we run and work with are SMBs, family mm-hmm. run kind of businesses and we're an extension. So we're a part of their family or part of their business. Um, and then in terms of the community aspect, yes, we all support one another and the community is about local. It's all about city neighborhoods. It's about friends and family schools, um, neighbors, you know, the, the services that are a part of a community. 
that's what it's all about. Like if you look at the SMBs in the world, right? In every mm-hmm. neighborhood city, it comprises of, I would say, 80, 90% of all the businesses are employing people. And we do interactions on a daily basis with restaurants, with service providers that are all localized and community focused. And you get to know them on an individual level as well. So getting to know real people, making an impact by giving. So we Mm -hmm. add a lot of value by giving, getting to know, personalizing, Mm -hmm. customizing. But then we also pay it forward as well, because me being an immigrant, um, I always try to give back to the immigrants coming to Canada. Um, so just mm-hmm. doing things that I, my, my root is all about paying it forward. My, my mom always wanted to volunteer and she still does today. Me as, as well. I mentor, I help uh, people that aspire to be business owners, to aspire mm-hmm. to be better salespeople. Um, my team, like if they're committed to mm-hmm. me in any way, I'm going to be fully vested and committed to helping them be a better human. Do you have any, and this is, we can not put this in if there isn't anything, but do you have metrics around the employee engagement or retention that we can point to that kind of demonstrate the impact of this, of all the, of your philosophy? Well, we don't have metrics, um, but I can tell you that it's a very low churn. I would say less than 5% churn on our company employees, mm-hmm. very similar to our clients, uh, you know, active recurring clients, right? The churn mm-hmm. is about 10%. Um, because it's all about engagement and the relationship and multiple touch points, not just results, but we actually want to uncover their true desires and needs and goals. And we talk about this all the time, right? Like what, what keeps them sticky? Not just your client stickiness, but your staff as well. And the staff is more important than the clients because you can replace a client. It's hard to replace really good staff. So we really ensure to embrace good people in our team so that they have a good message when they um, touch every single one of our clients. John, this has been great talking to you and, um, you know, it's coming away from the fact that, you know, your own journey has been one of incredible perseverance, you know, hard work, and I'm so glad it's paid off for you. So congratulations on that. But I'm really glad that it's paid off for you, not just as someone who has kind of realized individual goals, but who's really kind of taken your commitment to lifelong learning, to giving back, and to, you know, helping people realize their potential really is what I take uh, into supporting uh, your customers and also your employees. So congratulations on what you've achieved. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Bart. I, I mean, I'm just starting because I feel I'm just hitting a good momentum in terms of growing, because there's still a lot more for me to learn mm-hmm. and aspire to become. Um, so it's just the tip of the iceberg right now. And I'll, I'll end by asking, because I know, you know, if we were doing this on video, you've got this incredible studio filled with books that you've read, which is kind of the visual uh, demonstration of this commitment that you have. What's the, what's the most compelling book that you've read in the last six months that you would recommend to listeners that they pick up? Oh, man. Um, I like the Dan Sullivan, Who Not How. Uh, Carol Sweck, Mindset is a really good one as well. We'll put the links in uh, in the show notes. So thanks so much for coming on. Uh, we'll put a link to local SEO search as well for anyone looking to uh, to move up the rankings and really appreciate your time today. Thanks a lot, Bart, for having me. Pleasure.
I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with uh, John Vuong of Local SEO Search. I, uh, I really love the stories of uh, entrepreneurs and who have created something out of nothing and kind of have that commitment to not only building a company, but doing something for their people and for their customers. And he certainly epitomizes that. And I think regardless of what we do, it's, it's a great example of our ability to impact others inspirationally. So you should check out his YouTube channel, check out his site, uh, put links to it in the podcast notes. Next time on the pod, we go from small company to bigger company. Uh, I am joined by Sarah Beach. Sarah is a senior executive at Arthur Gallagher, a global pension and benefits company. And Sarah shares her story with me and talks about what employees want from their leaders today. Being in a pension and benefits company, they get a lot of insight from uh, their clients and help them adapt and uh, figure out how to retain and engage people. And so there's some really valuable insights. So tune in next time.